And you're very welcome back to the Leitrim GAA podcast here on finalwhistle.ie. As you can see to my left-hand side, we're joined by probably the man of the month, last month at least, in Leitrim football, and that was Andy Moore, the new Leitrim manager. I'm not going to go by the other titles because we all know about the Footballer of the Year awards. We know about the All-Ireland finalists. We know the history. Everyone who knows follows GAA for the last 15 years or so knows who Andy Moore is. But Andy, today, you're very, very welcome to the programme. Yeah, thanks. Delighted to be on, guys. We've been playing kind of email tag for the last couple of weeks. You're a busy, busy man, as well as a day job, obviously, the movement gym across Mayo. You have two or three uh, gyms at the moment. Uh, that's been a raging success for you over the last five or six years. Um, you are also finished up at Balladrine recently, ended up uh, in the Mayo Championship. You're the, the manager there. We'll touch on that later in the day. But you decided you were going to come out with a book in the middle of all of this. You really needed this Leitrim appointment and the timing of it like a hole in the head for your diary. Yeah, my um, my wife Jennifer was was worried that so many things were were going on at once. But it's uh, no, it's good. I like being busy. I like I like doing stuff. The last two weeks now may have been over over the top of it, but we got the book launched last Thursday. Um, we've got our panel picked for uh, or the provisional panel picked for for the guys in Leitrim. So we've got a lot done in the last two weeks. Um, so now my time will free up a good bit um, over the next couple of weeks. Yes, there's book signings. Away from away from uh, meeting the lads down in Leitrim, but um, really, it it the hard part I think I think definitely is uh, is behind me in terms of time commitments and and things like that. So the last two weeks have been tough, but I I think moving forward more time will free up. Now, because we better mention the book, it is of course called Andy, rather appropriately, Andy Lessons Learned in Pursuit of Glory. Have a book signing in Carrick and Shannon on Saturday. Anyone who wants to meet you, come along, buy a book, get it signed, say hello, wish you well for next year and the new job you've got yourself um, is more than welcome to do so. It's in the reading room in Carrick and Shannon at 12 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. I promised Orla in the bookshop that I would uh, <laughs> a little shout out. So we'll get that nice and early in the conversation. But but talk to me first, maybe with the book. We, we start there and we get it out of the way because I had a, I bought a copy of it yesterday. I sat down and I finished it. it took a couple of hours uh, and uh, I do like to read, so I got through it fairly quickly, but it was a fantastic read. It's less of a biography, more than maybe a love letter to Mayo GA. Is that fair to say? Yeah, there, it's 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 not a biography. I I would suggest um, in the in the in the truer sense, but it kind of all kind of comes back down to where I could have failed in the past and where I could have learned learned stuff from players I admire. So it's kind of the values I kind of judge in people and in in players. I think more so than Anton. And I I think all teams. Yes, there's a bit of a homage to the players I played with, of course, but all teams have the characteristics we mentioned, like the, the guys who were good with adversity, the guys who were a tiny bit different, um, the guys who will do anything, like will do too much, the, the, the people who are good at dealing with upset and regret and things like that. So all teams have the same values, well, particularly all good teams. And uh, I, I, yes, it's a bit of a homage to the guys in Mayo, but I, I think other teams and other people, I, I look at my work colleagues here and we'd have a maverick in it. We have different people who we need to deal with every day. And it's for me, it's how we get the best out of each one of these people. It's funny, as I read through the book and, and you go through the different character types in the squad, as you mentioned, I could identify people in my world who are involved in sport who I go, that's that person. That's the other person. There's the joker in the pack. There's the guy who takes himself so seriously. He's in the gym. He's a, a complete unit. And you kind of look at it and you kind of go, 
I see that in every squad, no matter the level. Obviously, it's a, it gets to a different level when you're in a squad like Mayo over the years. Um, let's talk about the 2017 campaign because a lot of the the narrative through the book is a, is around that 2017 campaign and and how it went and and the, the positives that came out of it and ultimately the the disappointment in the final losing uh, to Dublin in the in the 2017 final. Um, you were awarded Player of the Year. You talk in the book about how it, those kind of personal accolades don't really matter as much as the team stuff but there's still that undercurrent through the book where you do like those little achievements and they do kind of force you to to keep coming back year after year and, and just pushing yourself a little bit further yeah like the, I, I remember particularly i won an all-star in 2011 it was my most first all-star since 2006 in alan dillon and uh, and connor mortimer won one in 2006 so we all had won and all Ireland, obviously, in them five years, but they hadn't got to the personal kind of achievement level either. Um, so I remember going for, and like playing it off as that I don't mind, it, it doesn't matter, but got a call from James Horn at the time. And he said, no, it does matter because then the other fellas can, will want to get to that level. You know, they want to, oh, they, they say, okay, we can get here. Let's push through, let's go. And like moving into the Leitrim side of things, I would say the same thing. If If somebody can go, and push the boundaries of success, then other people, Roger Bannister, the four minute mile, for example, if somebody can get to four minutes, then you'll have a plethora of fellas that will get to it afterwards. And it's the same in every team. If one of the Leitrim guys can go and get to a level where it's an all-star nomination or where it is or something to that regard, you will see other fellas then getting hungry and saying, I want that success and I want to get better. So does the personal accolades and the footballer of the year and all that make up for not winning all Ireland. Absolutely not a chance. We set out on a goal. We set out to to win the thing. Uh, I did since I was probably 16, 15, 16 years of age, seeing Mayo getting to finals. My goal was to go and win it. Um, and we didn't do it. Doesn't make up for that, no. But do I see the benefit in these awards towards the towards the team? I, I most certainly do. For example, Lee Keegan was the first Mayo person to ever win footballer of the year in 2016. And all of a sudden, then we get one up on 2017. So success, as I, I say throughout the uh, uh, book, leaves clues. And um, I, I think that's why individual awards are better. Because if you rise the standard anyway, everyone else kind of rises with you. Absolutely. In terms of, I suppose, that 2012 All-Star trip you mentioned, I think it was Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Uh, yeah, where... that, that, was, that was the 2010 one, Breffney, in the So I got picked. I got the softest uh, All-Star a trip of all time. We, I got a, a strange nomination in 2009 at wing back. Would you believe? And uh, we, the week before, we lost then the 2010 to Longford and Sligo previous in Connacht. And um, the, the week before, so the 2009 and 10 All Stars went together. And the week before the the All Star trip happened, I get a phone call. I'm in Liffey Valley Shopping Centre. I'd say it's about four days before they go on the trip. And I think it was Graham Canty that pulled out of the trip. And he goes, uh, the girl from Grove Park, I told him, Frank, you know, the girl from Grove Park goes, all-star trip, leaving Thursday morning. Can you go? We just had someone to go. So I was literally the last person I said to rang, right? So I went on the trip. And uh, what you're just about to talk about, seeing, seeing some great fellas and learn some great lessons. But there's two things on that trip, or maybe I'm mixing up trips, but excuse me, uh, I did fly through the book last night. Uh, two things that happened on that trip one that could be taken as a huge negative, but also that kind of environment that you saw and that you witnessed the lads, maybe the Dublin lads had already been in, in to the gym and gone by the time you came in. 
But something that Bernard Brogan said to you, um, it could very much be a, a catalyst to push it one way or the other. And you took it as a very big positive. But tell us about that conversation and kind of the ribbon that was happening at that time. That was late night, uh, very late night, I'd say. And it was, there was great crack happening and the slagging happening. So I, I loved the comment. Uh, the comment was said as fun and having the crack. And just uh, I didn't take it any other way. But <clears throat> we had a good few uh, beers on us on that stage. And uh, we were just sitting down. And, uh, and Bernard just goes, you go, like it was just crack. It was over and back. There was banter. There was no kind of malice in it, really. And it was just one of those throwaways where... What are you doing on this trip? You know, you kind of, you know, like, you know, how how did you get on this? And it was very true. You know, we'd lost to to Sligo in the championship. We lost to Longford. They were our only two championship games, and uh, but it, it it hit home, Brittany. So the the, the 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 talk went. What are you doing on this trip? He lost to Longford and Sligo, kind of thing. And we all started laughing and got a good old crack. And I gave him a bit of slagging back. And um, <clears throat> we we went on, and uh, I. It just stuck with me. The next morning I woke up and I was just kind of like, he's 100% right here. Like, I didn't feel uh, that I should have been on the trip. I absolutely, I actually don't think I should have been on it. Uh, I got very lucky to. So it was just a nice little, a nice little uh, uh, thing for me that where I could just turn around and go, okay, the next time if I get on one of these trips, let's earn it. So on the top of that, that week, I was watching the Cork boys train. Cork were the All-Ireland champions at the time. They were ripping it up. No Conor Coonan in the gym. No kind of, no one pushing them. No effort. Like, they were pushing themselves. Quirk, Nicholas Murphy and them guys were just kind of leading the charge. And then Miskela, Paddy Kassan, they were just animals in the gym. And I was a fit guy. I was a good trainer, I would have said. But I was only half doing it. There was more there. There was more in the tank. And uh, just watching Cork training, listening to the probably the best footballer in the country at the time, Bernard Brogan, saying one or two things to me, having, the, having a bit of crack. And they all just kind of, it just hit home. And when, when I arrived home that winter, James Horne had just taken over the job and it was it was time to start moving. So a lot of things in my career, I got very lucky with. And uh, they, that, that was one of the timings. Now you mentioned James Horne, and obviously that was a bit of a change in the Mayo setup. But I want to just probe you while we can for a minute, just go into the backroom team that he brought with you. Because you mentioned a couple of names of some of the backroom team in that 2011 season. And two in particular spring to mind. Liam Moffat, obviously now the male chairman at the, at the moment, came in as strength and conditioning coach, but your skills coach, Edward Coughlin, or I better call him Ed Collin, or he'll never speak to me again. Mm-hmm. Um, those two lads, I had the pleasure of working with them both at the World University Games in 2009. And very impressive lads, but they obviously made an impact on you with that whole kind of experience at the 2012 All-Star trip, would that seem to be the catalyst that pushed you on for another decade in the Mayo jersey? Yeah, it was a, there, was, there was a few bits in it. Um, so Moff brought in a kind of professionalism from DCU where he was up with um, uh, Dr. Nile Moina and I, I suppose Declan Brennan and a few guys like that who kind of just showed him kind of new ways. He was kind of very kind of professional and like looking at iPads in 2010, 11 and kind of looking at your dynamics, your gait when you're running, making sure everything was right. So there's little bits in that. But where Ed came in, we I was very lucky in terms of strength and conditioning because Barry Solon, who's now Arsenal coach, was kind of moving in that direction. Like he was in the Euros the year after with Poland, 2012. He, he, was, he was already in that sphere. So I understood half the kind of strength and conditioning role that needed to be done. But what Ed brought, Ed brought energy and he brought uh, a, a, like a, a, like 
you if you didn't do the work with Ed, Ed would drive from Cork to your house in Balladrine and he'd bring you to the gym. Like there was no there was no hiding place here. There was no oh I did it or I didn't do it. If your skills weren't improving, your left hand hand pass, your right hand hand pass wasn't improving, there was something wrong. If there was you know, so it was always you were always accountable to somebody and he brought that accountability to it um that we hadn't done and energy. Talk about the energy that man had. I've never seen anything like it. He brought an enthusiasm to the place to the point where, like, I would find where I am sometimes, where I annoy people. Um, added that kind of in energy where he annoyed you at times. But then you were thinking, this guy is just after driving six hours from Cork here, <laughs> round trip uh, to Cork, leaving a young family and coming up to see us and uh, bringing us through it. And I think that kind of rubbed off on everyone. And it was just kind of like, if he's willing to do we need to be willing to do this as well. Yeah, ask him about a road trip for a train trip from Hungary overnight to Serbia back in the day. He was he was prepared to go to any length for the athletes. And I think that speaks the number of times he's mentioned in your book as well. I think he obviously made an impact on you. A great man for any team to be involved with. But let's move back a bit closer to home. Obviously, Leitrim now is the is the main attraction. And the one criticism I have of your book is obviously Mayo played in the Connick Championship for you played 17 seasons with them. There's only five real teams in that, including New York, London. Every single one of them gets plenty of mentions, bar Leitrim. In we, fact, there's we, only two we, references we, to Leitrim. We, in we, actually, book. We, we actually rarely played you. It was the funniest thing. We all rarely played Leitrim. I, we played in North Six. Uh, the full forward line that day was myself, Kieran McDonald, and Connor Mortimer. And we, uh, Maxwell catches the ball. Last minute of the game, we're two points up. He hits underside the bar. We get to an all Ireland final Leitrim route. You're on about a partisan crowd. The place has gone nuts. i never seen anything like it, to be honest with you. So there was that day. But then we played you in 12. We played Leitrim in 12. I was half injured. I was coming back off a broken leg. I was horrible. It was, it was a nothing game. It was a very poor game. We were poor. You were poor. Very poor game. And then outside that, that was, that was it. It was the weirdest thing ever. We actually very rarely played Leitrim in my, from 2003 to 2019. Well, I suppose that kind of brings me to my next question, which is basically the two references in the book. One is the introduction to John O'Mahony, and second is uh, well into the 200 pages. I think it's actually page 222. It stuck in my mind um, where you eased past Leitrim in the Connacht Championship. <laughs> the only two references in the entire thing. So my real question is, Leitrim have never really been in your wheelhouse. Like, you effectively know very little about the day-to-day of Leitrim football, you never played them in the league because you were never in the same division as them. So what's the attraction to Leitrim? It's, it's like watching someone who's watched the Premiership their entire life uh, look get, looking to get into Ballygo backwards at FC in terms of the difference of, of, of level. I'm not trying to disparage Leitrim here, but I'm just saying, what's the attraction for you to get involved with a county that isn't in the same lexicon as where Mayo have been for the last two decades? That's a great question. Um, really good question. Um yeah, I think it's it's one that probably needs a bit of thought, but like I, I suppose off the off my head, the top of my head, what's the real attraction to Leitrim? One, I think the footballers. Um I think the footballers, to be honest with you, I think there's there's football in Leitrim. Uh, we were talking about a few of the guys off air there, um, real good players. And uh there's that, number one. I think that's the most important thing. Two, I'd have a I always had a small bit of an affiliation with Leitrim anyway, through Jono. Uh Three, um, I think we're at the same cycle, Breffley, if I'm being honest with you. I think you've got a young, enthusiastic group there. Uh, you have a young, enthusiastic management team. 
both of us are kind of setting off on this kind of this journey, uh, this this kind of uh, road trip together. And I think that's what makes it exciting. I think w- when we're looking through this and when you're analysing games throughout the year, I think you're going to see huge times where a young player might make a mistake or a young manager might make a mistake. And we are both kind of trying to rise the tide here in, in, in Gaelic football in Leitrim, myself and all the players. And that's was the most exciting thing. Like I, I got a phone call to interview for the Leitrim job. I got a phone call to interview for other jobs, which were kind of publicized as well. And Leitrim was the only interview I took up. Um, and it just sat, I, like, and I know this sounds insane, but it just sat right with me from nearly from the first day I got that phone call to interview. And it, do I know the full reasons behind that? No, but I, I think I nearly sure I could nearly say positively, Breffney, that the reason for that is young team, young manager. I thought we could kind of just fit it in perfectly. I remember ringing Barry McGuini the first day I got the call. He said, like he he pointed out to me, there's nothing easy. He said Leitrim is a funny little place in terms of the county and the dynamics and the way you work together. He, he didn't say that, but he said, Andy, he said there's footballers here. If we, he said if we can get them playing and give them the right energy for the county and. That kind of just resonated with me for the thing. There was a few phone calls with Barry over and back, a few sit-down cups of tea with John O'Mahony, and it kind of it could never kind of leave my mindset in in terms of that little lull time between the first phone call and the interview. And once that happened, and once it wasn't going away from my head, um, I thought there was always a chance. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm very happy to be here. Um, I hope that answered your question. I, I think it does. But uh, I I it just it was just always the one that sat properly for me and uh yeah it was one that kind of got the kind of fire in the belly and the excitement going if I'm being honest yeah you mentioned John o a couple of times of course you talked about John O'Mahony uh well known in Leitrim uh, as the man who was manager here when when we won that Connick championship back in 1994 uh, no more than Mayo and the and the search for an All-Ireland a Connacht championship is nearly even a bigger achievement than an All-Ireland in Mayo for Leitrim it, it's so far out of people's concept of what we can achieve and I suppose if we compare you young manager from Balladrine uh, coming to Leitrim from Mayo um, there's a lot of similarities between yourself and Jono but there's also a, a gulf in maybe the, the situation you come into at the time Jono inherited a very strong team from um, J, uh, from PJ Carroll they'd won yeah. the All-Ireland uh, B Championship in 1990 they were in Division 2 at the top end of Division 2 at the time in the league um, you come into a team, no intercount. You know, he'd been in an All Ireland final with Mayo within three or four years before taking on the Leitrim job. Yep. Uh, you don't have that intercounty experience. You haven't. You're not inheriting a team in the same position that he did. Uh, in fact, last year, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm sure somebody's told you Leitrim didn't win a football match last year at any level, from minor the whole way up to senior league championship. Nothing. Um, you can't get any worse than that. Bottom of Division Four. Knocked out of the championship embarrassingly in McHale Park. And again, I'm going to get savaged by Leitrim people, but this is just the reality of the situation. What's it's a different attraction to what Jono would have had 25 years ago, 30 years ago. If if you look at Jono, right? So Jono was coming out of me, oh, he'd a point to prove. Them Leitrim guys were trying to win the Connacht title. That's what they were trying to do. So they were at a so if they're three quarters of the way up the ladder, but they were at the same level and they were willing to push each other to that point. Where if we look at my level on the ladder and the Leitrim boys on the ladder, we're at the same point as well. We're lower down, but we're what we're trying to do here, Breffney, is we're trying to improve the team. 
we're trying to improve the setup and the general kind of feeling around Leitrim football. Um, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, yes, Jono was higher up, had more experience than me. Um, yes, the Leitrim players were trying to push for a kind of title. But now, if you just come down a few rungs, the two of us now are on the same level again. And we just need to try to rise, to try to rise it up as as best we can. Is that winning a kind of title? It'd be absolutely insane for me to come on here and say, "Listen, our aim here is to win a kind of title." But is it to go and be competitive and try to get promoted out of Division Four over the next two to three years? Of course, it is. I'm guessing that's the measure of success then, in terms of actually reigniting the passion. Because last year, I think from anyone watching the games, there was just this lethargy, almost apathy amongst the squad. And even just anecdotally talking to a few of them at games, be club games in the club championship over the last few weeks, or or just in the street, and you, when you bump into them, um, there seems to be that little bit of enthusiasm, just that little kernel of something that could possibly grow into something really, really big. Maybe going back two or three seasons when we were really competitive, got promoted out of Division Four. Does that kind of a feel about this group again um which is down to your appointment essentially is that realistic can Leitrim get out of division four this year in your opinion or not this year but as you mentioned in the next two or three years can they build yes. a foundation there so what we have to look at is division four is very very um competitive um let's let's make no bones about Wexford well, there's two provincial Cavan champions from last year Cav and Tipperary are both in that competition but what I would say what a marker to go and measure yourself against you know, if you're always measuring yourself against people of similar level or lower level than you, you're never going to improve. So you go and play these guys. You see how far away you are from it. But you see young Brune, young Casey, uh, Keith Byrne, obviously, the O'Rourke's, uh, Evan Sweeney. These guys that can play a really good. Mark Plunkett, who was... Like, you look back on the Mayo game last year and you look at the guys who were real competitors. Gilhaney, Plunkett, uh, Paddy Maguire. These guys, you know, Reynolds real well able capable footballers it's about trying to get the best out of them now where that best level takes you then is that's where we're that's where we need to look for uh, but you need to get them to that level to as best as they can play and then see where it takes and that's what we're trying to do um we're trying to put all the kind of processes in place in, in terms of nutrition strength and conditioning um sports psychology and we'll then see where where it takes us from then on but um is it a realistic goal for these Leitrim footballers 100% in terms of the backroom team, we've touched on a couple of the, the names already. Obviously, Mike Solon is, is with you. Um, he's your co-manager in Balladrin at the moment. You've a very close working relationship with him. Um, Barry McQueenie, you, you've mentioned James Glancy is also on that ticket with you. You played with both of the lads, uh, as well as a few other Leitrim heads. I know Adrian O'Flynn, Emlyn Mulligan would have crossed paths with you in IT Sligo as well back in the day. Gary um, Reynolds, yep. How, how much do, does it mean? make a difference having that kind of long-term relationship with those lads who are in the dugout with you uh, working together to try and, and improve the, the the situation here in Leitrim? Well, every 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 county has internal politics. It's not like, and I don't mean that in a bad or negative way, but every, but it's very important to be able to know them, you know, to, to know like who's the movers and shakers, what, what's happening around the county, who what club might need a tiny bit of help, what the history of a player playing from Leitrim was, why are they not playing, what's the like where can they play what's their best position where, where do they play for the, all that is important as you said my mine and Leitrim's path crossed very little of my playing career so to have fellas that really know the system really know the level of coaching that's went on over the past couple of years within the clubs um within the Leitrim county board within the senior setup that's invaluable and McGuini for me has been Joe has been just an absolute blanket to go in and just ask that question, 
who's this guy did you bring out that book by the way with all the pictures and the players in it was that you yeah that was us yeah yeah unbelievable book by the way for a man that's coming in <laughs> unbelievable book for a man yes i have so if you're, like, if you're going to the reading room on saturday they have copies as well pick yeah. it up so, so 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 mcguini the first time i mentioned this job to barry mcguini for example he had that book to me within the week so he was showing me and i was looking so at that's where that one book so so wet to yeah yeah me. yeah so we 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 had uh like he, he like so even having that knowledge of players who's not playing why are they not playing can we go and get them joe and little things like that that's that was key and then james his coaching credentials are brilliant. Uh, did a lot of work in Ballymun, doing a lot of work in Manor. Um, I know him. Uh, he's a bit like myself. He likes to talk. He's energy. He's he's a good guy. Not afraid to kind of ask a hard question. Um, and just having them fellas around the place from different uh, different sides of the county too, which is really good. That, that, that was just pure luck, more so than judgment. I didn't realise they were. Uh, so, th so that's good as well. So having that kind of level of knowledge and, and uh, people around the place is huge. And then, you know, since I've come into the job, the county board have been absolutely brilliant to me. Um, Anton, like we want in terms of backroom team, uh, like they're really, uh, like that's, you're asking me, why Leitrim? Um, Part of that is down to the county board. The county board literally want this team to improve. They want their flagship team to be a better team. They're really kind of backing the project in terms of getting people involved, uh, strength and conditioning, training, food, all that stuff. They're really backing that, which, like, Jesus, a young manager coming in, that's, that's amazing. Absolutely. You mentioned sports psychologist a few minutes ago, and just to kind of bring it back to your book, of course, 12 o'clock in the reading room on, on Saturday, if people want to come in and have a chat with you themselves. But... You mentioned sports psychology there. Now, I don't know the personnel that you're looking at bringing in on the Leitrim side or what they're, how much of an impact they're going to have. But what I found most interesting about your book was for a man that could probably, with a single phone call of someone who's probably in your phone book, you could have got a, a foreword from John O'Mahony, which would have sold your books. You could have got a foreword from the former Taoiseach, Enda Kenny, who I'm sure is a fan and would have written you anything you wanted to, him to say. And yet... You picked somebody who who wouldn't necessarily be a household name, other than maybe for other reasons that we probably won't touch on today. But Nee Fitzpatrick was a psychologist back in 2017, and you asked her to do the foreword for you. It's an interesting choice, but when you read the book, it makes complete sense. How much of an impact has that whole, I suppose, sports psychology and mental toughness brought to you as a player and hopefully now as a manager in Leitrim? I started playing for Mayo in probably January, February 2003. Made my debut against down in Newcastle, uh, lasted 20 minutes. Got taken off in exhaustion because I just ran myself to the ground. And I finished playing in 2019, August, September 2019. And at that time, I would say for about three months, we did, everyone was on the same ship. Like everyone, there was no... There was nothing going right. There was nothing going left. Everyone, all the arrows were pointing the same way. And that was that time in 2017 when Neve was introduced to us after the goal of game, after the goal of defeat. And I'm not saying she's... Her talent is literally getting people to do their job. And it, it, when you break it down in, in work life, football, or and when you work part of the team, is if everyone is doing their job and looking out for everybody else, 
all of a sudden you have a, you have a beautiful thing going on. And she created that environment in Mayo in, in them couple of months. And it was just, it was incredible. Uh, listen, obviously, I, I read the reward for it in 2017. She had a personal kind of uh, a draw towards County Mayo. Um, but for that three months, everyone, for the only time I've ever played sport, were going in the same direction. And it was just an amazing environment to be part of. Um, and all them guys that are mentioned in the book, from Tom Parsons to Jason Doherty to David Clark, all seen the benefit of Neil Fitzpatrick. So who write the foreword? We went away. We said, will we get an opposition player? Will we get this? Will we get that? And Neve just Neve just sat and it just it sat right. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it or if Liam Horn mentioned it, but it, one of us mentioned it. And once we once once her name was mentioned, it was just it was the perfect choice. And uh, yeah, honoured to have her writing the book. Um, would love to have worked with her more in the future after 17 just didn't didn't happen with personal circumstances of me retiring and stuff like that but what an incredible human being and it just i i write about kind of values in the book and characteristics that i admire and she'd probably fit all them so it just it just kind of fitted right yeah of course uh, her sister dara uh, was one of the pilots of that uh, coast guard 116 accident off the coast of mayo earlier that year and i suppose you speak in the book about she made that impact on you but the first time you met her was literally hours after she met the the rescue or the the recovery team that brought back the uh, the the the, the they went out in, in search of the of the aircraft and and for her to be able to compartmentalize those different aspects of her life to go through that huge personal ordeal in one afternoon and a couple of hours later to have had that professional impact on on you and that squad uh, speaks volumes about her power as a sports psychologist herself um but she's uh, just one of those interesting characters uh, always worth checking out on social media as well Neve uh, shows us something uh, quite interesting to, to say um there's one story I want to talk about before I let you go um Andy and but, uh, can, can, briefly, I don't think I had to answer your question but the por- the importance of sports psychology absolutely huge in um in terms of uh sorry the lights are just flicking here <laughs> so the absolutely huge in my career like huge we had Kieran Shannon from 2012 to 2014 instrumental in in getting that team moving and making it believe um, but everyone trains the body and you train your, yourself physically, you, you get the best nutrition, but the mind is the most important part of a footballer's body because no matter who you are, no matter who you are, you have doubts. No matter where you come from, you come from an environment that mightn't have been too pro football or the, you come from a town that might be kind of anti-establishment. You don't know where you're coming from. So to get that out of your way, and to remove the junk from your head, from overthinking stuff to underthinking stuff, from thinking you're doing the work, for someone asking you, well, have you actually, hold on here now a second. So if a manager asks you, have you done the work, it feels like someone is threatening you. If a psychologist goes, right, Andy, you think you should be on the team. But what have you done? You've, you've done your three days training session like everybody else. But what have you done away from the training session? Have you went doing kicking your ball? Have you watched your video? Have you done your tape? And when somebody outside the kind of loop asks you that, it's, then it's not a threat. It's a one-on-one conversation, a private conversation. And then all of a sudden you can go away then and have the decision to say, okay, for me to get better here, for me to make the team here, or for me to go from being a really good player to a top player, then you have to make the decision and say, okay, I can work a bit harder here. It doesn't seem that unusual to the relationship you described with John O'Mahony 15 or 20 years earlier in school in St. Nathie's. Uh, in terms of the questions and the way he'd phrase stuff, uh, as you describe it in the book, 
the final thing I want to talk about, and it's a game just because I happen to have been at it. Um, 2006, you mentioned you knocked Leitrim out of the Connacht Championship that year. He went on to the other and final, but in the semi-final, obviously, probably one of the greatest games of football I've ever been at in my life. And the reason I was there was because Leitrim played in the, the curtain raiser in the Tommy Murphy Cup final. Um, so many things I could, could ask you about there, but I want to talk about that game because for most Leitrim fans, and it's probably where you would have come into the consciousness of a lot of Leitrim fans because there were so many of us that day in Crow Park. And to be such a pivotal part, I know you only came on as a second half sub, but you played 20, 25 minutes of that game. But the impact you made and seeing the, the kind of the interactions, tell us about how you actually got on the pitch that day, because in the book, it's one of the stories I thought was it was it was confident without bordering on cocky, if that makes sense. And a uh, conversation you had with John Morrison just before uh, you came onto the field. Yeah, myself and uh, okay. So just to bring this into context for the listeners, I was 22 years of age at the time, and uh, you know, every 22 year old, you're you're a tiny bit reckless. But I, I, I'm warming up with James Gill down in the corner. The place is hopping, and the the, the game is the game has fallen away from us a, a tiny bit. It's uh, it's it's fallen back, and I had started earlier on in the games, but I got dropped. I got taken off in the kind of final. Um, I think I got taken off in the kind of final before half time, if I'm being honest. I think I did. Maybe at 33, 34 minutes, Kevin O'Neill came on for me. So I'm standing. I'm uh, standing on the sideline with seven James Giller down at the corner. And what I recollect, and this could be wrong, Brefney, right? I recollect that they, Dublin were playing very centrally, and they were being very attracted to McDonald and Kevin O'Neill and these guys. And I, I said. Gil, there's there's a gap in in around the corner here to get a goal. Like to, if you come from the wing in, inside. Now, when I look back on that, there's two two verses of the stories that rip around in my head. It's one I was just mad to get on, and the other one is that I could see this play. So it's it's probably somewhere. In the, it's probably somewhere in the in the middle. But I think I could see the play, and uh, we have two genius left footers on our team, in Kevin O'Neill and Kieran McDonald. Like and then you had Connor Moore, so you had three left footers in the in the side. So they were always going to open out the body towards the the, the Hogan stand, which it was. Um, so I come on and I'm running down. I'm down in the warm up, and I just go, Gilly. I said, "F this, basically." I said, "I'm coming on here." So I ran down to John Morrison. I said, "If you put me on here, I said, I get a, I get a goal." I said, "There's a goal there." I said, "I'll get a goal. Just put me on." So. Morrison said, I'd say seven points down. He said, right, he goes, we've nothing, we've nothing to lose here. So where I actually came on, I came on at centre half back. And uh, James Nallan came off me. And I came on at centre half back, which was very unusual. I played a lot of my football. Um, I played a lot of my football at, at wing back when I was a kid. But I hadn't played there for years. And uh, I came on at centre half back. The ball just started landing in my hands. Won a few breaks. So I was on my game straight away. Um, and all of a sudden the ball just breaks. It gets to it gets to McDonald, who gets a as I said, turns out his body, gets it to Kevin O'Neill, and he turns out his body towards the Hogan stand. And all of a sudden I'm in and I'm screaming and get the goal. And the history was made after that, you know. Um it was very yeah, it was a great moment. I actually missed the missed the dressing room, would you believe, briefly after I was called in for a drugs test after myself, Stephen Carolyn. It's always the way. Yeah, Barry Cahill and Paul Casey, and we we're called in for a drug test, and the dressing room was going mad because people don't realize it's gone so professional now. It's still great. I still loved it right up to the end. But in 2006, we had some characters playing for us with McDonald, Brady, Pat Hart, Kevin O'Neill, David Heaney, these guys who were good fun, like the crack, enjoyed, but wouldn't have had too many days like that in the last, in the 10 years before it. 
and uh, the dressing room was going mad. And we're down in a room by ourselves, and you can hear the dressing room going mad. And uh, I'd love to have been in it. That's one of the regrets. But that's the story. Um, John Morris and Mickey Moore, and you guys know them well there in Leitrim. I had a 40-minute phone call with Mickey about Leitrim last week on the phone. He just couldn't make the book launch, and he rang me. We did chat. And his admiration and love for Leitrim is, is, is unbelievable, to be honest with you. He absolutely uh, he loved his time in Leitrim. Uh, couldn't speak highly enough. Said, listen, you'll have a great time there. Really, really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the people. And like the same message as Jono, he said, if you can get the players playing and the football people behind you, he said, he said, God knows what could happen. And he said, when that happens, he said, you've got a huge chance. So um, that, that, that's where we're hoping. But I found it very funny that the message from Mickey about Leitrim was the same that John had given me previous, you know. So it's uh, it's probably up to us as a management team to get that kind of belief going. Absolutely. Well, listen, I've taken up so much time more than we had planned this morning, but thank you so much for, for joining us. It's You've really brought just the fact that you're coming in and a bit of enthusiasm and youth and, and vigour and, and that bit of quality maybe. And, and I think the thing that comes through everything I read in your book last night is just the standard that you set for yourself. And I know you won't accept anything less from the lads in Leitrim. And I think it's a challenge that I, I think there's going to be enough players who want to step up to that mark as well. And hopefully over the next few uh, months and maybe years, we'll see that uh, come to fruition on the, the playing pitch in the green and gold jersey over the next couple of seasons. Andy, it's been a pleasure. I'm sure we'll be in touch over the next couple of weeks and months as the uh, as the season prepares to, to get underway and whatever format that's going to be for next year everything's still a little bit up in the air but thanks very much for joining me and the very best of luck 12 o'clock in uh reading room on saturday afternoon this weekend in carrick and shannon people can order the book do you want to give them a little plug where else they can get it if they can't make it to the reading room no it's a, it's in all good bookstores and it's a, it's on uh, online on mailbooks.ie but it's in all good bookstores so um listen i i look forward to working with you guys over the next couple of years um I think yeah, we need a we need a good healthy relationship, and I appreciate you plugging the book as well. But uh, no yeah, problem. listen, uh, we, we'll have good crack. It's Andy lessons learned in pursuit of glory, and that's exactly where Leitrim are headed <laughs> over the next couple of of seasons. No pressure, Andy. Andy, thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure chatting to you, and the best luck. Thanks, Preferee.